This is Tim Cato, and we're going to be talking about the future of the Western Conference today, specifically Luka, Zion, and uh, a little bit of John Morant mixed in there as well. Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Series of Podcast Network, something like that. There's some words. Dave Dufour, <laughs> how are you? I'm fantastic. I feel so much better now after that <laughs> introduction. Uh, just spectacular. I love it. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm like, this is like my, we're what, 10 episodes in? And, yeah, uh, we're I'm coasting. Pro now. Once, we're coasting. once you hit double digits, you're a pro. So the fact that I, you know, five episodes, that would have been a botched intro. Now it's, we're just rolling with it. We're, we're going to, we're going to keep on moving. Yeah. Nobody even knows. They don't know what the intro is supposed to sound like. Maybe that's the actual <laughs> real intro. Right. And the other times where it sounds better, I've been screwing it up. Like that that's would right. be appropriate to who I am as a person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, finally got it right. When we do our little post-show meeting, I'm sure uh, our producer, Sasha, is going to say, wow, that was the greatest intro of all time. <laughs> Dave. You want to you want to you want to talk about the Pelicans and the Mavericks who played on Wednesday night? I do because it feels like a little bit of a like a future Western Conference Finals preview, right? It's definitely the future of the NBA. Yeah, the Mavericks played the Pelicans. It was a fantastic game this week. They went to overtime on a uh, crazy shot that we'll get to in a little bit. But you know, I think the key to this game, the the, the storyline, the takeaway from this game is that the Mavericks are a young team with two stars and, and you know, a, a budding contender in the Western Conference. And New Orleans might be the same thing. You know, I, I don't know if their Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram pairing is quite as set in stone as, as Dallas. Um, certainly, there's a good argument it should be. But clearly, Zion alone is, is the foundational piece, you know, for a, for a very good team. And, and just as... You know, New Orleans had their chance with Anthony Davis. They did not capitalize, but they've got another chance right now. They've got new owner, you know, not new ownership, but but they've got new management. Um, you know, they've they've got the pieces to to really turn this into you know a a division rivalry. And in this game, you know, I, I thought I thought showed that it was it was um you know there was moments of bad play as as you would expect from young players, but you know the thing that stood out to me is just how how fun it was. Did you have fun? Watching? Like, I, I had fun. I really enjoyed it. I, w- I was at this game. I really enjoyed being there. You know, sometimes, sometimes the games feel a little bit like a job every once in a while. This did not. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's got, they had three of the most fun players in the league in one game. You know, you had Zion, you had Luka, and you had Lonzo Ball, who was doing just ridiculous That's things. That's the third most fun player in the, in the league? Well, he was in this game. Three of the most fun guys, <laughs> right? Like, and Lonzo and Zion together. I mean, that's just that's joyous basketball. Like Zion has just learned very quickly that Lonzo is going to rebound, and if I just take off, I'm getting a dunk. I mean, the hit ahead pass from Lonzo it has become like his signature thing, and so yeah, those guys are just so much fun. And yeah, you're right. Like it was a delight. Dallas weirdly neutralized Zion more than I've seen, you know, out of the games that I've watched Zion, which is not all of them. You know, I thought they did a pretty damn good job on it, all things considered. And, you know, Zion still got 21 and extends this like rookie streak of of scoring 20 plus in a game. 
you know, that's longer than anyone not named Kevin Durant, I believe is a stat I saw. He's he's a really impressive kid. I mean, it's just there's there's no athlete like him in the league, maybe on the planet Earth. And so, you know, how are you going to stop him? You know, the Mavericks decided that that Maxi Kleba was their best bet, which they were right. You know, if I think he might if you had to pick players who could guard Zion, you know, Maxi might be in the top 10 or something. You know, obviously you'd, you'd go Giannis and Bam Adebayo. But, you know, past that, a, a, a 240, 6'10 center who can move his mm-hmm. feet, in theory, is someone who can match Zion. And he did, and he blocked him. Uh, you know, I think he blocked him five times. So, so clearly, five there, times. There, that, that, clearly there was some successful, you know, he, he was successful at moments. But, you know, there's other moments where Zion was just, I'm bigger than you. I'm, I'm, I'm stronger. I'm going to bully through you and jump past you and just finish with a little hook shot. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah, you're never going to completely stop Zion. Like, I, no one's going to do that. E- even Giannis is not going to do that. Um, but what he was able to do was just mitigate Zion. He was able to keep him off the glass. Uh, Zion wasn't getting to a lot of his own misses, which is sort of his signature move right now, uh, aside from dunking your face off. Uh, he did a really great job of being physical and, and being able to hang with that big body. But also, like you said, mobile enough to move his feet and stay in front of him. And I thought he did a really good job, but he, he did it because he was fouling the crap out of him constantly and just daring the refs to call it, which is probably how Z- you're going to have to play Zion. Like there's going to like Zion right now. I don't think that the officiating's caught up to how big and physical he is and how big and physical you have to play him. And so teams are going to look at what Maxi did guarding him. And I think we're going to see that's the blueprint, at least for now, until the refs catch up. You know, I thought Zion had a game that, that, you know, his game against the Mavericks, I thought it reminded me of rookie year Luka, where, you know, he actually, he had some struggles and, and, you know, you look at the, you know, you if you remember moments from this game, you remember him getting blocked a couple times and, and stuff like that. And he still finishes with, you know, with a really productive stat line and, and overall, you know, he clearly was impactful on the game, even though he had poor moments. Rookie year Luca did that as well. You know, I think Luca even in this game was a little bit like that. Uh, but now that he's a sophomore, he's still finished with 30, 17, and 10. You know, he's just that good. He's still going to produce those numbers. But in the first half, he looked a little sloppy. He ended up with seven turnovers. You know, he, he just wasn't always his normal self. Some of his, uh, you know, wide open spot up three pointers were just very wide. So, so there, was, there was definitely some moments where, where Luca, you know, was not at his best either. either. And then you look at the end of the game, you look at the key plays he made down the stretch in overtime. And, you know, he was clearly just, you know, a, a player that you, you know, is a superstar player, you know, a, yeah. a player who's who, who lives and, and breathes for these moments. And it was just so good at the end, making sure that Ma- the Mavericks got this win. Well, the most memorable play didn't even result in a bucket. It was, you know, he put Drew Holiday, one, one of the I mean, Maybe a little overrated as far as guard defenders go, but he's still a very good physical defender. And, and, and you know, Luca is a physical driver. Uh, put him on skates. And then, you know, he hits, hits, uh, I think it was Maxi was in the corner and, and he missed the three. But I asked, I asked Maxi after the game if, if he, uh, if he has to like buy him a, a dinner or something. And he's like, yeah, I probably, I probably owe Luca something for ruining that highlight. He owes all of us something. That's I mean, true. Like you let us he all, buy down, us all dinner. Yes. Yeah. The world. Oh, uh, because I mean, that was like, and, and you know, it, it's one of these things because coming into the league, Luca was, you know, one of the knocks on him. Ah, he's not 
not very fleet of foot and he's not going to get past guys and get to the basket. And then it's like, well, yeah, but look at this guy's skill, like his ball handling um, and the fact that he is six, eight and, you know, two twenty five or whatever he is. So he's able to, to use his body in a way that, that when we think about traditional ball handlers, you know, we, we don't think of LeBron James right off the top of our head. We think of smaller guards. And I think people, when they were assessing Luca, they were thinking he was smaller than he actually is. I mean, the guy is big. But for him to be able to put Drew Holiday on skates like that, I, I think that that might have opened a lot of eyes uh, of people who hadn't quite paid attention to how skillful he is with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think I think that's that's all true and correct stuff. You know, uh, he's he's very good at at side to side movement or or deceleration, which is you know something we've talked a lot about James Harden, and that's why that comparison comes up. It's it's really not the step back. Uh, the step back is a byproduct of the fact that they can both decelerate quicker than than other players. So they will you know they will be stopping and then starting in in another direction before their defender is done stopping. And, and that that is it. That is a skill. It's it's not how we view athleticism, but it but it is absolutely real. Something he's very good at. I thought it actually, you know, that that crossover, that highlight crossover, you know, when he blew by Drew, that was a perfect example of it. Where you know he can just go one, two, three different directions, and you know Drew just was was a you know he was a half step behind, and then Luca went back the other way. So then so he's a full step behind, and then by the time Luca goes back the other way, you know he's he's Drew's completely turned around. So. You know, I thought that that was a that was a really cool representation. You know, a moment of of what of what Luca can do and and, and things like that. So I, I think the the bigger picture uh, topic to to discuss here is is uh you know the Western Conference in general and just how you know th- th- that game on Wednesday against uh you know the Pelicans on Friday the team's going to play the Memphis Grizzlies, which of course have John Morant and and Jaron Jackson Jr. You know these are these are three in division teams. You know, whatever th- we think of divisions and conferences, you know, we, we're still going to have division rivalries for the, for the time being. You know, this is this is definitely going to be, you know, a, a teams that play each other a lot, you know, that, that you know, could could drive down the highway to each other if, if they're so inclined. Although I don't do not think they they would be. But, you know, if, if they wanted, it's it's an option. So it's it's fun. This is this is fun. This is, you know, in, in five years, are these going to be the three teams in the Western Conference? You know, it it, it certainly seems like they could be. Yeah, this is the future of the NBA. Like we're seeing it right now. Uh, Luka Doncic looking like I mean, he's played like a top ten player this year. Uh, may may even get an MVP vote or two. Um, Zion is obviously looking like a a, a tier two player right now, and, and potentially tier one next year. Like he like the the parallels between his rookie year and, and Luka's, I, I think are are palpable. I think that's that's a good comp to make. And John Morant, runaway rookie of the year choice right now. Jaron Jackson Jr., who I, I think is a generational talent, and you know he's young for for his, the you know his position. I think he'll, as he fills out his body, we're going to see him take over the game even more. But you know this is a guy who's almost seven feet tall who can block three shots a game, and uh, oh yeah, he's also a forty one percent three point shooter. Um, and and you know Porzingis is a little bit older than those guys, but still pretty young. Fits the modern NBA just as well as. As Jaron Jackson does, so uh, I think these three teams, there's a good chance, like three years from now, all of them are in the top four in in the Western Conference uh, playoff seating. Dave, I mentioned this, I, I mentioned this a second ago, but I, I want to get your actual opinion on this. Do you think that that Ingram is a long term piece for you know long term fit, long term piece for New Orleans? 
so it's it's interesting because I think Ingram this year has shown a lot. Um, I mean, clearly sure. he was he was an all star. He's been one of the best fifteen players in the Western Conference. I am I am ninety percent sure he will get a max contract this summer from the Pelicans. Uh, whether he's a long term piece or not is going to depend on how he plays with Zion going forward and and not going forward this season. It's next year. Um, what does it look like when they're together? Because right now, uh, Ingram has been a, up and down trying to figure out how to play with Zion out there. And, and clearly, Zion just does so much more stuff for you. That's that's your uh, you know your cornerstone of your franchise going forward. It's can Ingram be you know a good one B to Zion's one because what Ingram does is not the same stuff as Zion. You know, like his ability to create off the dribble is different. Uh, obviously he's got that fantastic mid-range game, so much length, and he's a good wing defender. So if the if the fit, if it shows itself on the court, I think it's a great fit, right? But they have to make it actually work on the court. Theoretically, man, it's awesome. You know, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, that's a really good starting point if you're trying to win a title in the next four or five years. Sasha, our producer, who's a Lakers fan, chimes in and says, Ingram should be a 1B. So that checks out. Well, he's been not, 1A not this a, year. I mean, he's yeah, been, yeah, yeah. He's been it, fantastic it, this year. Right. And, and as, fan, as good as he's been, you know, probably best of you, you know, just a, a half step back from what he's doing. Just responsibility. Yeah. You know, you're not going to win. You're not going to win a title with him as your best player. Right. And I also, Brandon well, Ingram. maybe. He's a maybe. great player. That's, that's not a knock. But it's early. Brandon Ingram is the best player on a finals team. No, no, there's no way. I think it's too early to say that. I would, I mean, like if you had asked me that question about Jason Tatum last year, I would have said no. But if you asked me about it today, I'd say, yeah, I think Jason Tatum could do that. Brandon Ingram has shown me a lot this year. Um, I don't think he's going to be their best player. I mean, there's an argument to be made. Zion is better than him today. Uh, and he's right. still trying to figure out how to play in the NBA and he's not really in shape yet. But, but you know, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's easy to, to pump up Zion. But I don't, at the same time, want to drag down what Brandon Ingram has done all year. He has been really, really good. And, and, and in particular, when you think about the fact that his career seemed like it might have been in jeopardy. Um, right. He had that weird situation in L.A. where you know he kind of knew all season that he was trade bait. That's really when things turned around. A lot of those guys, those young guys on the L.A. team shut down and Brandon Ingram took over. And, and that was when I, I started to see what he was going to turn into. I think he's really, really good. And if he's your best player and Zion is is your one B, that means that Brandon Ingram is has gotten to be really good, like top ten level player. So yeah, if he sure. could, if he turns that corner, okay, great. Uh, I don't think he's there yet, but I mean, he's damn good. And they're going to sign him to a a full max. I, I expect it one hundred percent this summer. So I'm going to preface this next exercise by saying, you know, it's it's kind of dumb. It's very sports writery where yeah, we try to rank rank stuff. But, you know, it's a podcast. Who cares? Uh, you know, these these are these are what these things are for. You know, if you had to rank, you know, which which team is most appealing, you know, which one, which core, you know, of these of these three teams cores, you know, rank them in order of which ones you're most optimistic about or or which ones you would choose if you were a, a head coach or a GM or something like that. You know what is is there is there a clear hierarchy of of, of how you would rank them in, in terms of Dallas, Memphis, and, and New Orleans? You know it's it's interesting. So I, I would say New Orleans is probably third, just because you don't have that 
you know, who's the initiator? Who's the guy that's going to make the rest of the guys better? Lonzo's great as a secondary or tertiary guy. I don't think right. Lonzo is good enough as the lead ball handler to to be that guy. Uh, Memphis, you've got Ja, and he's fantastic. I think he could lead the league in assists next year. It's all about what they have around him. Brandon Clark is great. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, we, who we just talked about. D'Anthony Melton. Uh, I mean, like they just have they have a really solid squad. They're just really young. With Dallas, you you've got. Luca, who I think, you know, it's it's not hard to say, looks like a future MVP. You've got Porzingis, and, and now that he's gotten healthy, we're getting to see what he actually looks like. He looks very similar to the guy that he was in New York before he tore his ACL. And I more think efficient. Right. And well, I think he's gonna get even more efficient as this chemistry with Luca continues to develop. And so that's a very, very high starting point. It's all about what the franchises are going to do around these these guys that we are pretty sure are going to be stars. And so when you look when you just look at what it looks like today, I mean clearly Dallas is the best of the bunch because they've got all these pros. They've got Tim Hardaway Jr. who's, you know, a top 10 shooter right now. They've got Maxi Kleber. They've got uh Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, they they've got Seth Curry. Um the the other teams don't have that. And so I think that that Dallas has got a head start right now. So if you're asking me to say who's going to be the best of these three next year, I'm going to say Dallas. Four or five years from now, who knows? Because I don't know how good John Morant's going to wind up. I don't know, you know, is is Zion going to be the best player in the league by then? I and that's what's so great about it. Like that's why I'm so excited that we're getting these games because it, it's almost you know I was a kid when Michael Jordan was a rookie. Like I was like three years old. I was like minus ten. So. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, but like, if I could, if you could have watched like rookie Michael Jordan against like rookie Hakeem Olajuwon, did they even have televisions back then? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't. You don't remember black and white TV, do you? Oh man. All right. So let's not go down that that time warp. But it it, it just feels like that point. And, and I say this a lot. The league right now has you know under twenty five more stars than than the entire league had of any age. 20 years ago. I mean, there, there are more guys that you could say that guy might wind up being a top 10 player in the league right now. There's like 40 of those guys that could potentially, you know, be in that top tier four years from now. It's never had this kind of talent and especially the young talent. And so to have so much high end young talent concentrated in a place where they're going to play each other a lot, I think it's really exciting. I'm actually kind of jealous of you, Tim, because you're going to see these guys up close so much um, where I'm going to be watching them on TV a lot. So yeah, take take that in. Like you said, you were having fun the other night. I think the next few years are going to be pretty fun too. I think that I think I think you're right. I think I think you're onto something. That uh, I should be jealous of you. I mean, just generally, you know. If have you seen my life, <laughs> <laughs> man? Um, so I was I was going to add on to the the whole sports writery thing and and say that you know I think I think you nailed it on each team. I would say that you know if you're looking as at the teams as a whole, obviously Dallas you know is is of course going to be at you know they're they're a step further in the development process. You know Memphis has a higher ceiling just because they have they have more young players with you know with with really high upsides. You right. know so if every single person in uh in Memphis hits, you know I think they they might be the best team in the league in in, in three or four years. Um, but you know that's I, that's a big question, and, and I've there's called a lot of, them you know, 2009 Oklahoma City. Yeah, they've yeah, got. Yeah, I do get that vibe. Yeah, yeah. They also got a a, a similar city 
just kind of just kind of hanging out in the Midwest. Not even the Midwest, just the I don't even know what I've never understood what to call that part of America. But anyway, we can <laughs> we can move on. But yeah, in terms of if you're just looking at the star duos, and again, we're you know we're pretty sure that the New Orleans one is 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 here to stay. But uh, you know, but you know, it's clearly the the third best just because it doesn't you know it doesn't have that like you said that that initiate that creator you know that you need a third part you know a third person to mix in there somehow. That's the hardest uh, thing to find, just, by the way. Right. You right, know right. the Luca Doncic, those the exactly. John ja Morant style player, they just don't grow on trees. Exactly. But I, I would, I would say that you know, if you just had to pick two of those, you know, had you pick one of the duos to take going forwards, you could, you know, you you're making your own team in Vancouver, and you get to pick one duo. I, I think it'd pretty clearly be Luca, Kristaps, just because it's 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 really crazy how good those two fit together. It it is a really you know, just they cover in all the right ways. You know, it, one way I, I guess I kind of described it is like there's a lot of skill sets you try to put on the floor. You know, you try to put, you know, four, you know, at, at least four shooters. You try to have at least one or two rim protectors. You have you try to have at least one guy who can beat someone off the dribble and one guy who can, you know, make, you know, really, you know, steady the offense and, and just, a, you know, is a really elite ball handler. They kind of do all those things in in two players where a lot of, you know, a lot of teams have you know, pure shooters and, and a lot of teams have, you know, shot blockers who can't space the floor on the other end. And a lot of people have point guards, you know, who are six two and and, you know, maybe maybe are so so shooters, you know, someone like John ja, ja Morant, just for example. And Dallas does this all, you know, they they package all these skill sets into two players that that Luca is six eight and has has the playmaking and the shooting will come and, and clearly he can create his own shot and stuff like that. And he can beat people off the dribble and, and Chris Stubbs combines, you know, all the modern elements of a center plus scoring plus, you know, uh, some, some of his own creation or, or, you know, at least, you know, really elite finishing abilities. It just the combination of those two players is, you know, just sets up the team building that, that you can take the team anywhere. You can choose to play any style or any way and it's it's pretty much doable because you have the two pieces that that are you know you can fit anything around, and I think that is that is one of the coolest and most interesting things about this Dallas team headed forwards, and why you know if if I had to take a duo from anywhere in the league, I I would even argue like if you were to mix and match young duos like KP and, and Luca is is right up there. You know I'm not I'm not going to say with absolute you know those are the two players I would take with me, but just the way they fit together, it's it's. It just makes the rest of the team building a lot easier because of the skills and, and their abilities and, and all these things that they can do. Yeah, and KP's uh, ability to shoot the ball um, just really is a big differentiator there. Although I would say Jaron is is a very similar shooter, like very good, high-volume three-point shooter. He does I just a little trust- more defensively, too, moves, yeah. moves on the outside in, in a yeah. way that, that KP can't. So he's Jaron Jackson is like a souped-up Maxi Kleba. <laughs> I. I I mean he's like Kevin Garnett to me. Yeah, yeah, um, that's 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 probably even a better one. If 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 KG came into the league in in 2019, he'd be Jaron Jackson. Yeah, I like exactly. That a lot. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not saying he's there yet, but I just feel like you know this guy. I, I think he's special, and I actually think all of these guys are are special. Which I hate throwing that word out there, but there's no other way to describe them. I mean, between especially those five: Ja, Jaron, Zion. Luca and KP. I, I think that's that's five players that may all have an argument to be, you know, the top seven uh, in a couple years. You know, once they develop, once some of these other guys are a little bit older, um, there's a good chance that we're talking about like 
how much talent there is concentrated in that little little area. And aren't these guys lucky that they have the two most special podcasters to talk about them on a weekly basis? That's right. Join us for our Memphis Grizzlies show that we're <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that 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 might have been a uh uh, I don't know if I've ever used special with with more uh, sarcasm dripping from yeah, that, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I think that's a that's a good moment to get out of here. Um, Dave, thank you as always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, fun time. Like it's a fun time because usually March we're all just all right. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. But these three teams have just been so much fun to watch, and, and they're playing each other so much that you know I'm I'm like fully invested in what's happening, which is, which is always fun. Right. And and especially because both teams, Memphis and, and New Orleans, both came on late with with, you know, the injuries and then just like the, the, the teams gelling. So, you know, I think that's been really fun. I think this this has been, you know, is, is going to be and, and will continue to be a really fun week for the Mavericks, you know, to get these these two uh, rivals and, and, you know, budding budding rivalries going. And uh, I am I'm glad we're here to watch it. So. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks again, listeners. We will be back next week. 